0: You will see reflected in us a need for Jesus. That you will see reflected in us uh, the gospel, the gospel, and how important it is uh, to the world. And so I pray that if you came in here hopeless, you won't leave that way today. We we have been. If you want to find your place in Scripture, enough of the rambling. Uh, if you want to find your place in Scripture, let's go to 1 John chapter four, verses one through six. Now. We've been in the book of 1 John for a while now. Last week, we took a little break. Drew shared with us a great challenge and a great message. I'm blessed every time that he preaches, and I know that you are too. And, uh, but we kind of got out of 1 John. The week before that, I was in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and following because I felt like for Mother's Day that a message on love would be a more appropriate. Message. Uh, so you thought, Pastor was just going to skip those first six verses in chapter four of 1 John. Well, here we are. We're getting back to it. And so today as we look at these first six verses, I want us to think about the idea of walking in the assurance that we are following the Spirit of God. Walking in the assurance that we are following the Spirit of God. So let's look in 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. The one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the day. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, we acknowledge that if any good thing is to come from this service today, that your Holy Spirit must impart it to us. And so we pray, O Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would reveal truth, that you would convict us of truth, that you would draw us near to you, and may Jesus Christ... Be exalted in this service this morning, for it's in his name we pray, amen. As most of you know, just about every year I have taken a trip to the Philippines, and, uh, and we go over there, we preach the gospel, and, and do medical missions, all kinds of different things to minister to the Filipino people. And uh, last year, or well, right before coronavirus, I've lost a year in my life. Anybody else feel that way? Okay, yeah. So so anyway, just before coronavirus, we went. But a few years ago, in 2016, uh, I, I went to the Philippines. And here's what we do: we work really, really hard for about two weeks, and then that last day, we have a free day, and so we'll we'll go see the sights. We'll go do some shopping, or we'll just relax, just whatever we want to do. Or we'll have a big fellowship, and we'll eat a whole lot. As you can tell, I really like to eat. And and so we do things like that. Well, in 2016, some of the ladies... They said, uh, hey, we want to go shopping that last day. And so they have this big open market, Green Hills Mall is what it's called, if any of you have ever been there. And, and so we went there, and they have purses, and they have jackets, and they have luggage, and they have backpacks. And they, they have everything that you can imagine. And so uh, we were walking through there, and there was these pair of Adidas shoes. And so I thought, these look pretty neat. I think I'm going to grab some of these. And so I bought those. They were about 30 bucks. okay? And uh, so on the way home, I thought, I'm just going to try out these new shoes. So I wear these new shoes and, and get on the plane. And when I get off the plane, my kids go, hey, Dad, you're wearing a pair of Yeezys. And I said, what is a Yeezy? And they said, those shoes sell for over a thousand dollars right now I said where can we sell these shoes (laughs) you know I will pull them off right now I mean where can I get rid of those shoes for a thousand dollars and they said and so Chase is kind of the investigative one of the bunch and so he began to search counterfeit Yeezys you know and so he looks at all the different things about counterfeit Yeezys, and he does the 10-point inspection on my $30 Yeezys, okay? And so he discovers that the only difference between my $30 Yeezys and the over $1,000 Yeezys was the stitching on the insole of the shoe when you pull it up. The only difference. And so John is telling us the same thing here. He's saying there's been many false prophets that have went out into the world. There's many counterfeits out there, and you need to investigate. You need to test the spirits. You need to be able to know the truth from the error. You need to know the counterfeit from the real deal. And so this morning, as we kind of dive into these six verses, I want us to look at three routines that you and I can take in order to know the real from the counterfeit, okay, are some things that we need to understand if we're going to live and walk in the Spirit of God, okay? So are you ready to know this first one? I just have to admit, this first one is so simple that you're going to say, I could have thought of that point. And you could have. And here it is. Don't believe everything that you hear. Okay, isn't that so simple? Uh, John says this in the first verse. He said, beloved, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything that you hear. Now, John also kind of reinforces two things as why we don't want to believe <laughs> everything that we hear. He, he gives the idea of believing, and he's saying don't be convinced by everything That you hear. The idea behind that is those of John's day. That were misinforming people. That were giving the counterfeit gospel. They were very persuasive. I mean they were persuasive people. Therefore he uses this word do not believe. He could have said do not listen. But he says do not believe. Because they are very persuasive in that day. Are they're very persuasive. They're very persuasive today. Amen? The counterfeit gospel. But here's a second thought. He says not only are they persuasive, but their message is plentiful. He says there have been many false prophets that have gone into the world. Have you ever uh, uh, just been wore down by a message to the point that You almost give in to get the person to shut up. Have you ever? I'm going to say this, and I'll say it because she's in this service, and I may pay for it later. Lauren is an expert at this. I mean, she is. She will ask you a question 15 different ways in order to get a yes out of you. And out of, like, if she wants a donut, she'll say, Dad, will you take me to get a donut? Are you going to take me to get a donut? Will you get me a donut? Are you going to go? Can we go get a donut now? I'll get the keys for you. Let's go get a donut. And so, by by finally, even if you don't want a donut, it's kind of like, yes, yes, let's get a donut. Please, let's get a donut. You know, have you ever been in that situation? And so, John's saying, hey, the message is persuasive, but also it's plentiful. And we see that in our day today. And so, according to John, basically, there's two spirits at work in the world the spirit of the world which is every false religion and, and, and every ideology that is against God. Therefore, he calls it the Antichrist. And then the Spirit of God that leads to life, truth, righteousness, purpose, and glorifying God. And we need to be aware of that fact. There's a lot of information that comes into our life And we need to be aware that not all of it is good. Not all of it is godly. And so we need to be aware of this and not walk through life uh, naively. Naively. And and so here's what Scripture says about that. Just so that we get this understanding that, hey, every hook in the water is not of God. Okay? So here's what Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He says this. Be of a sober mind. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It says we have an enemy that is stalking us, seeking to devour us. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 15, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and advising them. And he says this, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorns, thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? And so he reminds us that false prophets, they are out there. In Matthew 24, 24, as he speaks about the last days, which we have been living in since the resurrection of Christ, he says this, for false Christ. And false prophets will arise and will uh, provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Very deceptive. Very persuasive. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 8, the scripture says this, For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst... Or diviners deceive you and do not listen to their interpretations of your dreams, which you dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Listen, God is not the only one that has a hook in the water, Uh, the Spirit of God is not the only Spirit that is at work in our world spiritual activity is not necessarily godly activity okay and so we need to understand that now not only should we be aware that there are false prophets out there and that they're very convincing in what they say but we need to understand and be cautious of information overload listen we are in the informational age Information is a hot product in our world. And what we're seeing in our world is information is so valuable that people are pumping out information at the speed of light. And that information is not being vetted. It's not being tested. Uh, It's not being proved. It's just being produced. And so we have to be careful living in an informational age. Being informed is good. But being overinformed to the point of mental exhaustion is not. And we are literally bombarded with information which includes misinformation. Now, I want to read to you a quote that's in a book that I've been reading, and it's called uh, The Wisdom Pyramid by Brett McCracken. And this is what he says about the age that we live in. He says the exponential explosion of information in the information age is mind-boggling consider a sampling of the numbers in 2019 a single minute on the internet saw the transmission of 188 million emails 18.1 million text and 4.5 million videos viewed on YouTube by 2020 there were 40 times more bytes of data on the Internet than there are stars in the observable universe. Some estimates suggest that by 2025, 463 exabytes of data will be created each day online, the equivalent of 212,765,957 DVDs per day. What is an exabyte, you ask? Well, consider this. Five exabytes is equivalent to all the words ever spoken by humans since the dawn of time. In 2025, that amount of data will be created every 15 minutes. Now, here's the craziest thing. All of that is in our pocket one click away. That kind of information. Now, McCracken follows up this by stating that this information gluttony is causing us to have anxiety and stress, disorientation and fragmentation. We are overstimulated and underactivated. We have decision and commitment paralysis and fall prey to confirmation bias. Now, confirmation bias is this. You find someone that agrees with you even if you're wrong. (laughs) That's what confirmation bias is. And we suffer from that because of information overload. He ends the chapter with this summary. It is easy to imagine the the devil delighting in all of this angry tribalism, addictive triviality, amusing ourselves to death as humans become more and more stressed, numbed, disoriented, distracted and paralyzed by the impenetrable glut of information, chaos reigns. As chaos reigns, sin thrives. So so what do we do? That kind of le- what do we do? We we have this persuasive prophecy and prophecy is speaking forth and we have this plentiful we have information overload so let's just do a little application here in the first point okay and what do we do in that situation first we need to realize that we are exposed to an unhealthy volume of information the information is coming quickly and there's much information and much of it is false So we need to refrain from making rash decisions on information we receive until we investigate, vet, and process. How many of you now, just for a sample, you don't have to raise your hand, but just in your mind, you think about it. You read something on Facebook, (gasps) you have that experience, and you're ready to jump on it. Huh? How many of you? It happens. It happens to me. And we're getting pounded with that every day in masses so we have to be cautious we need to process we need to vet before we react here's a second little thought of application in this first point bear with me I've only got about 45 minutes left (laughs) second Satan Satan wants to mislead us and we can be misled or at least drowned or delusioned in the ocean of information And in 2 John, chapter 10, it speaks about uh, the fact that we should not allow this teaching in. We should not receive them. In other words, there's a time when we just kind of cut it off. And so here's what I'm saying that we need to do. There needs to be segments of our day when we cut the phone off. We close the PC. We cut the TV off. And we sit in the silence before God. There needs to be that time. So here's the first. Don't believe everything that you hear, and you hear a lot, okay? Now here's the second thought that we need to get, and it's this we need to test the spirits. We need to test the spirits. And you may ask, is it, is it even right? I mean, should we put things, shouldn't I know the Spirit of God? I mean, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and they will not follow another. And so we kind of ask this question, should should we test? Shouldn't I know the, the Spirit of God? And the answer is yes. I mean, we should practice the presence of the Lord and we should abide in the Lord enough that we know the small, still voice of the Lord when he speaks into our life. Yes, but we also see in Scripture... This command that we are to test the spirit to see where it comes from. And and let's just look at a couple of examples of that. I, I want to give you like an Old Testament example. Because scripture is, and there's several. Okay, I'm just going to give you two for time. But several times in scripture, it tells us that we are to test the spirits. Now when God speaks to us internally... I mean, we ought to be able to understand that. We should spend enough time in God's Word where we can clearly understand on simple things, not life-transforming uh, decisions in life. We should be able to discern which direction God is leading us. But we're seeing a push in our world. And in John's world, there was this push to desert something that was of great value, to make a life-transforming Life-changing decision to turn away from Christ. And we're seeing those kind of attacks in our world. We need to test the spirits. And it's not always plain up front in your face. So we need to be able to test the spirits. And so let me give you an Old Testament text that tells us that we need to test the spirits. And then I want to look at a new. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 22. When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord... And the thing does not happen or come true. uh, That is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You are not to be afraid of him or you are not to listen to him is what he's saying. Now, 1 Thessalonians, a New Testament example. He says this. Do not utterly reject prophecies. What is prophecies? Prophecies is speaking forth the word of God. It's not seeing in the future. That's that's fortune telling. We're talking about forth telling, okay? Uh, Speaking forth the word of God. That's the prophet. He's saying that we should not uh, utterly reject the speaking forth of the word of God. But examine everything. Holding firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So we're to, we're to process this and test it. And we're to hold on to that which is good. And we're to reject that which is evil. So we should test the spirits. Don't trust unless you test. Listen to me. You remember when Paul was going around. And he was speaking in different places. And he came to Berea. And it says that the Jews there were more noble than the others. others and that they examine what he said against the Scripture to see that what he was saying was true. And I want to challenge you, go to the Word of God. When you hear someone preaching and teaching and sharing truth, what they call truth, test it. Test it. And so John is saying, test the Spirit. So how do we do that? Don't trust unless you test. So how do we do that? Let me give you three tests, okay? I've got to hurry so you've got to listen fast. <laughs> Let me give you all three of them right now, and then we'll talk about them, okay? The Christology test. The Christology test, the word test, and the work test. What is the Christology test? Well, listen to what John says here. By this, verse 2, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist. So he just lays it out. He says, how do you know? They confess that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh, in the flesh. And why is that so important? Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts here if I can. First of all, this word for confession is not just saying, okay? Anyone can say, and I think in our world today, we have a lot of prophets, if you want to call it that, false prophets, that can say with their lips that Jesus is Lord, but nothing about their doctrine or conduct shows that. And so we got to be careful about that. It's more than just simply saying that Jesus is Lord, or that He is the Messiah, that He has come in the flesh. The idea is an unwavering open forthright declaration that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh now why do we hear that over and over again about him coming in the flesh why is that so important that Jesus came in the flesh well here he identified with us he identified with us in every way In Hebrews, it says that we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but in all ways was tempted as you and I, yet without sin. Jesus took on human flesh and lived in in a human body. He identified with us in every way so that he could forgive us and redeem us in every way. Uh, uh, Some of the older folks, uh, St. Gregory, he said this, what is not assumed? is not healed. What is he saying? He says, if Jesus had not become a man, then mankind could not have been redeemed from their sin. Uh, Athanasia, he said it this way, Athanasia of Alexandria, uh, he lived from 293 to 373, and in his work on the incarnation, he wrote this, he became what we are, that we might become what he is. And then he goes even further, and he stresses this fact, He says, only one who is truly God can give eternal life. And only one whose humanity is truly and completely like ours can save a sinful human race. He says, because Jesus was God, he can forgive our sins. And because he became a man like us, he was able to pay the price for our sins. And so John is saying it's important. That they confess that, that he came in the flesh. And so we stress that. Uh, so, and, and let me just say this. I wouldn't trust anybody with life transforming, changing decisions unless they were a Christian. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom out there listening. And a car, if I want to go buy a new car, I can maybe tell, trust somebody that's not a Christian tell me about a car but a life-changing, transforming decision. I want a Christian speaking into my life. Someone that believes everything about Jesus. Amen? Amen? And so we have the Christology test, and Christology is just a big word meaning the study of Christ. We say theology. Theo is the Greek word for God, the study of God, the study of Christ. There's a Christology test. What do they say about Jesus? Then there's the word test. Notice in verse 6 what John says. We are from God. Boy, that's just one sentence with those words. Isn't that powerful? We are from God. The one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. So John uses this plural. He uses the plural us. And so he's saying those that are from God, they listen to us. And so the big question is, who is the us that John is speaking about? He's talking about the entire Christian witness. The entire Christian witness. Now here's the great thing. We have that right here. The body of the entire Christian witness. And he's saying, you know what? If they are from God, then they'll rely upon the word of God. And so if we're going to test the spirits, here's what we do. If it doesn't line up with this, it's not of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not of God. And so we're living in a day, and we talked about this on Wednesday night, and I've got to hurry. Y'all help me, please. i got more to say than I can say. We we talked about revisionists and how people are looking at the Word of God differently and and they're saying, hey, that's not what that means. It means this. And so here's a good clue. If you're seeing something in Scripture that nobody in history has ever seen, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. And, And so the Word of God rightly interpreted throughout the history of the church is this word that we want to stand on, okay? And so he says there's this word test, and we have it, we're blessed to have it in written form, and then there's the work test. If we look back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, he says, when the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the thing does not happen or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. He's saying you examine their life. You remember in, in 1 Kings chapter 18 when Elijah was on the mount with the false prophets of Baal? Now they had been saying, Baal is Lord, Baal is Lord, Baal is Lord. And you know what? You know what Elijah said? Prove it. Prove it. Man, They got they cut themselves. They did everything God didn't answer. And what is the point of that? Then Elijah gets up and he says, I know that you're the God of heaven so that it may be known... Show yourself, and God answers with fire. And so he's saying, watch their lives. Uh, what they had been professing and what they had been claiming about Baal did not prove out to be true. But what Elijah had been confessing and proclaiming about God turned out to be true. And so look at the lives of the ones that speaking into your life. Amen? Now, that brings us to the last thought. The first routine is don't believe everything that you hear. The second routine is test the spirit, see where they come from. And here's the third. Trust the spirit of God that is within you. Man, don't you love don't you love it when it says greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. John says that we have overcome the spiritual battle before us, we have overcome the false prophets and the false teaching because greater is He that is within us than he that is in the world. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and we're going to overcome because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Every child of God houses the Holy Spirit. And we can rely upon the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now that comes, I want to give a warning when we talk about the Holy Spirit and trust in the Holy Spirit in our life, and here it is: the Holy Spirit is more than emotions and feelings. because so often we say, "Oh, I feel this way, or I'm led that way," and, we're, and there's a difference between feelings and emotions, and the Holy Spirit, does the Holy Spirit use feelings and emotions at times? Yes. Yes. But our feelings are fickle, folks. And I won't say that again because I'll mess it up. They are. And we can't trust our feelings and our emotions by themselves. But our feelings and emotions, when when they're aligned with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, then we can trust in that. We can trust in that Romans talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit works as a witness in our life. In, in fact in Romans chapter 8 verse 16 it says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In other words the Holy Spirit bears this witness and affirms in our heart that we belong to God. That's great. And, and so the Holy Spirit works to confirm, uh, uh, confirm truth and exalt Christ. And so we always look. The Holy Spirit, listen to me, will never work contrary to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead you away from Christ because the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus and the Holy Spirit confirms truth. And so we can trust that because it lines up with Scripture, okay? Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. But when He... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take from mine and will disclose it to you. What is Jesus saying? First of all, the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Christ. Any prophet that tries to lead you away from Jesus, you run like a scared schoolgirl. Amen? Any, any prophet that tries to lead you away from the Word of God, you rebuke him and leave. Because the Holy Spirit does not work contrary to the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit does not delineate away from Christ. And so we know that that is the Spirit of God. So here we go. i got to wrap this up. Here we go. Here's some applications. Here's some applications. The Spirit of God will never speak against the Son or the Word of God. And we have three points of confirmation that I want to kind of close with. We have the content of the message. Does the message that you hear exalt Christ and strongly affirm who he is? We can trust that. We can build upon that. Here's second. We have the word of God. If our feelings or our desire lead us contrary to the word of God, that is not the spirit of God. We have to realize that. Here's a third thought. We have history. And I've already mentioned this, gave it away, but I'm going to give it to you again, point of application. What has the church traditionally believed about certain doctrines and why? We have a bad habit of looking back on, uh, you know, the 1st century, 2nd century. Say, Oh, those just uneducated folks. If you think that, you haven't read those uneducated folks. They have a vocabulary higher than we'll ever think about having. They were more studied than we and cultured than we would ever dream of being. And so we need to look back. And I want to tell you, if we think something that they have not said we're probably wrong. amen. And so if you have a new doctrine I learned this early in preach, if you have a new doctrine, nobody's ever had you're, it's a heretic. It's a heretical doctrine. And so we need to be careful of that. So we look back on church history. But also a fourth thing, beware of confirmation bias. In a deceptive world of information overload, you need to make sure that it's biblical, that it's godly, that it's Christ-honoring. Don't look for something that something that just agrees with you. Is it godly? Is it biblical? Is it Christ-honoring? Here's the last thought. Dave, if you want to come. If you don't have the confidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you this morning, is guiding your life. There's only one way to know that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Embracing faith in Jesus Christ. Embracing faith in Jesus Christ. He who has the Son, and we'll get to that in the next chapter, has life. He who has not the Son has not life. And so life begins with Jesus Christ. Truth begins with Jesus Christ. And the only way to have the Spirit of God in your life, guiding you through life, is to embrace faith in Jesus Christ. And so my question is, have you trusted Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus? If you haven't, this morning we're going to have a time. Drew's going to be up here and I'm going to be up here. And we would love to talk to you, but you don't have to talk to us. You can do business with God right there in your pew. Uh, The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What is that saying? Put all of your hope, all of your faith, all of your trust in what Jesus has done and not what you can do. You trust him, confess him as Lord of your life and call upon him as Savior and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says you can become a child of God. So this morning, I want to invite you to trust Jesus as Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we we give you this time. I trust, O Holy Spirit, that you're working in hearts this morning. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's never trusted you, that they would see that the things of this world are quickly fading away. Our life is but a vapor. It's only a moment, only a blip upon the scale. But through you, we can have eternal life. We can have peace. We can have joy, and we can have hope. And I pray this morning... If there's anyone here that's not trusted you, that today with all of their heart they would reach out and call upon Jesus, trusting that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Lord, we ask you to guide our lives. Help us to filter through all the information that we receive. Make good decisions that glorify and exalt the name of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.